like, okay, you have this device that tracks everywhere you go, listens to everything, or can listen to everything you say, and the two companies that have a monopoly on these things both work intimately with the government. So unless you totally trust your government and don't think that the state will ever become tyrannical, which it already is, then keep using them. But, you yeah. know, if, if you don't, then stop using these things. It's seriously scary. The question is, you know, the question is, like, why do you need one of these things? I, it's, I wouldn't say it's a stretch, but, you know, it's the same, like, essence. It's like... Why do you grow your own food? <laughs> it's uh, it's because you don't want to get dependent on systems that can be corrupted and outside your control. Excellent. Okay, here we are. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. Uh, joining me is uh, somebody I would consider a good friend, uh, Ramiro Romani. And we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff regarding surveillance, privacy, privacy tech, mm. and uh, how you can keep yourself from being surveilled. So, Ramiro, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, and, and please go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Big fan of the exit plan. What's up to all of you out there? Sorry for the mountains in the background. I'm in between studios, so I just decided to film this in the mountains. No, totally joking. Um but yeah, uh, I'm Ramiro. I've been a tech activist for a few years, and I used to be a software engineer in my past life. But I got pulled into helping out activist movements, and I kind of realized through this process how important privacy is for our users, because we're really talking and, and discussing and doing important things. And as I kind of got more into the space, I realized how intelligence is used against us just the act of gathering data can be used against us and now we're seeing this play out so i'd i'd kind of seen this coming and you know was consulting with the groups i was working with to protect them against it and it's this you know ongoing struggle that we have so yeah i'm uh here representing above phone Abovephone.com, that's our privacy phone solution which we'll talk about more today and also take back our tech which is our educational initiative, which you can check out at takebackertech.org. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, this is obviously other than starting a company, I know you publicly talk about this a lot. You were recently uh, speaking at the greater reset. You've spoken at multiple greater resets. Actually, mm -hmm. those are organized by Derek bros, great activists in the, the freedom movement. And, so anyways, I'll, I'll just, I'll get into the first topic and I'll, before that, I'll just share a personal Twitch story of mine that prompted me to buy a privacy phone with you and buy it with Bitcoin, by the way, which I absolutely love. Um, so here's basically what happened. Uh, I do jujitsu, as many of my listeners know, I love jujitsu. And uh, day after a, a workout, my back was really hurting me a lot. And I was just talking to my wife and, you know, my, my iPhone was in the room and I was just saying like, man, my, my back is hurting and I need to see a chiropractor. I'd say probably 10 minutes later, I just passively went on Facebook to check something and I scroll down and I see advertisements for chiropractors. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And I was like, that's, and I didn't look it up on doodle before. Yeah. I mean, no, I literally just verbally said I need to see your chiropractor. Yeah. So 
I hear this story all the time and it's it's super spooky. Everyone is just kind of come to terms with it. Like we know we're being listened to, but no one's fessing up. As far as I know, someone feel free to point this out, but I don't think any company has spoken up and being like, we're the ones gathering your microphone data and um, using it for advertising. Except I think Amazon, Amazon's pretty open to that. You know, they do that with Alexa, but I haven't heard of any mobile apps on the phone. And I'll touch a little bit into how that works. Well, essentially, when you have apps on your phone and you give them the microphone permission, any any other code that's bundled with that application, which there might be analytics, there might be advertising services. A lot of developers package these to make money. I know having developed mobile apps is kind of the things that they push at you to make money for your app. So when you're giving it the microphone permission, you're also giving anything bundled with it the microphone permission. And a lot of these, as I'll show on later, are owned by a particular company that can deliver ads to you. Yeah, so it's very, very, it's very, very freaky to have a phone listening to you all the time. And really, that's one of the biggest reasons, like um, the psychological relief of using a Google phone or a privacy phone, just like being able to talk in the car and just like, ah, oh, okay this is like more intimate or like, yeah. you know, if you're feeling really paranoid, being able to toggle off the microphone, this is a, it's a really good feeling. Yeah, it really is. And it, it is a seriously dystopian, creepy thing thinking that, you know, you carry this device everywhere with you and everybody else does. And it's uh, listening to everything you're saying. It's tracking you everywhere you go. I would imagine every message you send to people, um, and I don't know to what extent they, they track messages and phone calls and all these things, but it, it's just, I don't think, here's the thing is I don't think people have taken a moment to really digest how mm-hmm. much of a problem this is <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's so convenient, right? That's how they get us is through convenience. They, you know, you don't have to, yeah. you can just you don't have to do much, right? No. It's just plug and play. So like what, before we launched this privacy pro- phone project, around the same time, I I basically tried to pull up everything that I could of what is observable tracking that happens on this, on these phones, because I wanted to know better for myself and wanted to know why we should be using um, these different solutions, whether they're de-Googled OSs or different apps, whatever. And it boils down to three different things. There's uh, the operating system level itself, which, you know, there's two major providers of that ghost hands um there's google and then there's apple and actually more than 99 percent of devices 99 and a half percent of devices are one of those two platforms and um that's all proprietary that's all uh, the the majority of these operating systems are proprietary you know google at least their underlying uh platform android is open source but the google and google's android is not open source. There's proprietary layers. And when I say proprietary, it essentially means like it does things that you cannot visibly see. You can't go in and look at the code versus open source where you could go and read the code. Apple is even farther down the spectrum of being proprietary. There's no part of the Apple operating system that's open source. So um, there's no telling the amount of information they're gathering from the operating system level. But people have started to take observations. And I have this really great article on Take Backer Tech. I'll actually, if you let me share my screen, 
I will just absolutely takebackertech.org and on the site look for uh, who can we call on in the search bar, or you could just search who can we call on on Google Take Back or Tech. So the article is it's it's about these three layers, right? The tracking that happens at the operating system level, then the tracking that happens at the application level of all the apps you use on the phone, and lastly, it ends with the cellular service providers. And what we end up seeing is that I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but it's a it's an overreaching amount of data that is gathered, like uh, things that will be sent off. So, like for instance, your phone will connect back to Google and Apple every five minutes. Every five minutes, it'll connect back. And um, if you're out and about and you're not using a uh, you're not using a VPN then it'll use the nearest radio tower. That's like kind of your representation on the internet. That's your IP. That's your, you know, that's what you get assigned. So being tracked every five minutes will actually build a map of you as you're traveling around or you're going. And that's all, you know, that's a tremendous, that's just a tremendous thing. And that's just kind of the start of it. You know, there's requests that are sent out when you turn on your geolocation, when you plug in your SIM card, when you connect to your Wi-Fi network. And I can go deeper into this, but I won't. I'll stop right there. And yeah, so there's just a ton there. And if you go, if you read this article, I've listed all the primary sources for you. There's a bunch of studies that um, have observed the network requests, right? You can't go and look at the code, but you can go and see what the phone is sending off. If you like, um, you observe, you connect it to uh, your own access point and you observe what request it's making. So here's some rough statistics. Yeah. Every 12 hours, an iPhone sends off 52 kilobytes, which is um, not, it doesn't sound that much. Um, then Google sends off one megabyte. So around 20 times as much. And um, I'm sorry, way, way more than 20 times as much. And then collectively, the market of 100 million iPhone, 113 million iPhone users, 129 million Android users, you uh, we're actually sending 12 gigabytes every 12 hours to Apple and one terabyte to Google. 12, hang on, 12 gigabytes every how often? Every 12 hours from all That's of the, all of, of the different, yeah, exactly. From all and then of the one terabyte every, every how often to Apple? To Google. To go- Google to is Google. collecting like 20, you know, what is it? Like how many gigabytes in a terabyte? Uh, around a thousand. So it goes up a thousand. So around a hundred times, Google is collecting around a hundred times more data. Um, so insane. yeah, it is. It's super nuts. And so like, you know, these are, this is everything that is happening on the phone. This is when you're going through your contacts. This is when you're typing on the keyboard. So yeah, if you're interested, check through this, um, look through some of the studies yourself and you'll see that what they're doing is they're gathering unique device identifiers and, you know, like when you log into a phone today, you know, you've got your Apple ID or you've got your Google account. Your Google account is tied to an Android ID. Every app knows about this Android ID. So that's just one identifier, right? That can link you to other things. Your SIM card is actually more dangerous because it's it has a unique identifier and Google gets this. Uh, they get It's the IMEI and there's also the IMSI, which is a SIM part, but the IMEI is a number, like if you get your phone stolen, you can report your IMEI as stolen and that'll actually stop it from, you know, anyone from using it. So think about how granular that is. This comes down to your device. 
So they get all these unique IDs and more. So, you know, that kind of has demystifies how this stuff actually works. Interesting. And unfortunately, we, we don't know exactly what kind of data they're sending over. We just know that they're sending an absolute shit ton of data every 12 hours, basically. Yeah, well, actually, we, there, we do have a little bit of visibility into what data they're sending. Um, what this study did from uh, Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, these guys are security researchers, is that they were able to, um, what's the word here? They were able to, um, what's, it's like mimic or, yeah, they were able to mimic the security certificates of Google and just be like, hey, uh, we're the trusted resource, please send it to us. And they can actually decrypt it. And they, they saw that um, all of these unique identifiers were being sent. They saw the logs for uh, what was being sent out. The payload of the logs was encrypted, but they could just see what um, what modules in the operating system were logging. And they were able to see the like the device, you know, the unique identifier. So that was the more the most important part. And like I'm showing Andrew right now, here's all of the different components that are generating logs. Hmm. Our operating systems today, you know, they're not just one like monolithic thing. It's uh, it's a lot of different little pieces all working together. Gotcha. And given that Doodle and Apple basically have a, a monopoly on, you know, this form of communication, uh, do you do you have anything to say as far as their relationship with governments? I mean, I, I'm not an expert on either one of them. Yeah. Uh, from a layman's perspective, I mean, I know that Doodle is owned by Alphabet, which mm-hmm. I believe has contracts with, uh, I think it's like the Department of Homeland Security or something like that. They're the biggest, just they're the biggest a, uh, just, military con- tech contractor in the world, Google is. Really? Yeah, their history goes oh way, 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 way back. In fact, like the CIA has their own like version of Google and they have to ask Google to get the rights to, you know, have the little Google logo with the CIA symbol as the O. They have to ask permission from Google. Anyway, there's a very deep and rich history between um, between intelligence agencies and Google. Um, Apple, I, I honestly haven't done too much research myself about, but you know, we do know that they're part of um, the Snowden leaks, which I'm trying to remember the name of his leaks, but they're you know they're part of the eight major companies. What are they called? What was it called? Uh, WikiLeaks? Or no, uh, no, that's Assange. What am I saying? My... Yeah, well, I mean, so Apple, on the other hand, yeah, it's Prism. Prism? Was... Prism, okay. Prism program. Um, and what where... exactly is Prism. Prism, where, where, so it's, uh, it's it, it, what he leaked were these PowerPoint slides of showing that it basically implied that the NSA had back doors or had access to the data from major providers like, uh, like AOL, uh, Google, Facebook. Sorry, not Facebook. Uh, I don't think Facebook was on that list. Microsoft, uh, Apple, every all of the big players that were listed in this. And I think there should be a list in here. Here we are. Hmm. Yeah. Google, uh, Microsoft, Yahoo, Facebook, Google, Apple, Dropbox. 
And I think there was more listed. There was like 10 or so organizations listed in that original slide. So, I mean, as far as this goes, it's just a PowerPoint slide. No one's going to come out, you know, look, so these are the actual public statements. We have never, ever heard of, uh, we have never heard of PRISM. This is what Apple is saying when, you know, they're questioned about this program. They do not provide any government agency with direct access to our servers and any government agencies requesting customer data must get a court order, blah, blah, blah. I think that, um, it could be a thing where this program runs deeper than what the you know public relations would even have access to. They don't have any visibility into mm-hmm. things like these. So take this with a grain of salt, but just know that when you are seeing all this information being collected, these companies, you know, they they do work with law enforcement. They do get um, they do get warrants and subpoenas for your information. And there's you know, there's transparency reports. Uh, I want to stop right there. And if you have anything to say, but the next thing I was going to talk about was going to be the uh, geofence warrant system, which is super, super scary. Okay. Well, I, I really want to hear about that. I, I guess the only thing I, I have to say is uh, for anybody who's listening, who hasn't put this puzzle piece together, if you have an iPhone, just hold it and then look on the back of your iPhone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and, you know, from a from a Christian perspective, think about the fruit that has a bite taken out of it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like familiar story you'd read in Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's a little weird, a little creepy. So maybe it's just a, a coincidence, but uh, it's a very it's a bit odd. It's a very demiurge thing to want to hear everything, see everything, and judge you for it, right? Like this big brother is a they're trying to play. God, a little they bit. They are trying to play God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Some of the symbol, some of the, some of the crazy like uh, symbolism in the NSA slides is, is is definitely points to that stuff. Yeah, I bet it does. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Gmail logo, and that is n- near the exact same logo as Freemasons wear in, in certain events on their on their waists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of pictures showing logos of like big tech companies that look extremely similar to other occult type groups and their symbolism. So yeah, maybe it's all just a coincidence, you know, there's, but, uh, there's, I certainly there's a really so. good book called a uh, surveillance Valley by Yasha Levine. And it talks about, uh, it goes, it goes into a lot of different things, but it talks about Google's own history as, you know, the, um, a defense contractor and, um, pretty much all the different products and partnerships. They, uh, they created um, and how and how sought after they are by the private arm or um, by the public government because they're able to go ahead and gather data, which, you know, they don't really get any flack for it. They're a private company. So they're able to go ahead and do this. And then um, these intelligence agencies just contract with them for their data. Case in point, these geofence warrants, which were a pretty, pretty new uh, type of warrant where, um, it gives law enforcement this disability. It, it get, allows them to pick a time and a place and to get all of the phones in that location. So if a crime happens, let's say like in, you know, in Brooklyn or something at 7 PM, they could pull up every phone there. And you know how actually this works or where the data is coming from? It's coming from Google maps. If you have Google maps on your phone, uh, you are in this sensor vault database. And it doesn't matter if you have an iPhone. 
Um, if you're using the Google Maps app, you're, you're in this, you're in this. So they, um, there's public reports on how many law enforcement requests are coming in. And it's just, it's kind of just blown up um, given how convenient this is. By the way, I'm reading this, who can we call on article again. So the New York Times first reported on this. And what I just mentioned here is that it's not always accurate um, or it's not, it's used improperly. And innocent people can get arrested from turning up on one of these sensor vault uh, fact sheets or, you know, these these uh, warrants. So this uh, this man, Jorge Molina, turned up in a sensor vault warrant um, after being prosecuted for murder and um, as you know, while being prosecuted for murder and he lost everything and he was innocent. So he was just one of the unlucky people that happened to be there on a next to a crime that day. So my worry is this, is we're moving forward and, and the laws seem to be getting more and more totalitarian. How are they going to enforce them? They need data and intelligence to enforce them. And if you're, if you're using a pipeline which feeds directly into this intelligence center, well, you know, you're leaving yourself open. You're leaving yourself open there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to see, like, okay, you have this device that tracks everywhere you go, listens to everything or can listen to everything you say, and the two companies that have a monopoly on these things both work intimately with the government. So unless you totally trust your government and don't think that the state will ever become tyrannical, which it already is, then keep using them. But, you yeah. know, if, if you don't, then stop using these things. It's seriously scary. The question is, you know, the question is like, why do you need one of these things? I, it's, I wouldn't say it's a stretch, but you know, it's the same like essence. It's like, why do you grow your own food? <laughs> it's, uh, it's because you don't want to get dependent on systems that can be corrupted and outside your control. So, um, yep. I'm not even saying that this is like the absolute, like. Um, I think it's important to note that using these phones or using these software services that we're going to talk about, it's not going to protect you from the NSA or these intelligence agencies. It's just not. But what it is going to do is it's going to protect you from the Pareto principle, right? Most of their 80% of the information they're gathering is on these public channels, really easy for them to access. You know, they're using big providers like Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitter, to collect all this information and they already have those systems in place so they can gather insights and track people. When you start working outside of that, you start giving them multiple steps that they need to take in order to track you. So that's, that's all this, the purpose is here is to stop um, making it easy for them. And uh, you know, in the case that you do get targeted by intelligence agencies, you know, the phone is the least of your problems. Yeah. So and I appreciate the honesty there, truly. Um, so basically you're saying with with a de-doodled phone uh, with, you know, Graphene OS or CalX OS, uh, they can still, like, get your information somehow? It's just more difficult for them? Or can you elaborate well, yeah, on let's, that more? Yeah, let's, let me elaborate on that. I wasn't super clear. So what these de-Googled operating systems do, and there's two, right? There's Graphene OS, there's Calyx OS. Both of these we offer above phones. So you just pick whichever one you want. But their, their claim to fame is, is just removing Google 
from uh, that layer on top of the operating system. So there's no phoning home. There's no telling Google, hey, he just put in a new SIM card. Here's his number as what happens in traditional Android. Or hey, just you know, connected to a Wi-Fi. Here's the access point address or anything like that. So uh, removing Google from the picture is a huge improvement, right? That's all the, um, the tracking that happens at the operating system level. Now, when I say it's not going to protect you from the NSA, it's, uh, I mean that all these phones and all computers, for that matter, have uh, firmware uh, on their processors. They have, uh, there's, you know, it's the same concept. There's proprietary code on the modems responsible for making phone calls and the processor that no one could confidently say like, oh, there's, you know, there's no backdoors on this guy. Um, but just, uh, I would say that imagine how much harder or how much the bar to entry for this tracking is, right? To backdoor someone's phone, the, the team that would require. And so my hope is this, when people start using this technology that is part of the alternative, we're making it much harder for people to be targeted individually. And if enough people are using this, even if they do get targeted, what, what these agencies are going to find out is that they're not doing anything illegal. Like they may be using a degooled phone to, to gift eggs to their neighbors, you know, like it's really, we're building, we're sowing the seeds of the counter economy here. And a lot of what we do is not, we're not raising an army or anything. It's really a waste for them to try and, and track this down. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, I would say this is like, there's this concept called the threat model. Like who is your, you know, what is the level of your adversary or threat? This protects you from uh, major, major information gatherers. It's not going to protect you from intelligence agencies. I say that absolutely, but, you know, it is, um, yeah, don't expect anything to, to do that. The internet's just was created by the military and... Uh, yeah, DARPA, released by... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> makes you wonder, you know? I mean, GPS, released by the military. Tor, released by... The U.S. Military. government, I believe. Yeah, military. Internet. U.S. Military. Internet. <laughs> How do you people do all this stuff? I thought the government was, you know, I mean, where do they get this stuff? <laughs> they take all, really the, knows, but. take all the smart people and work the fuck out of them. Um, I guess so. I don't know a lot of smart people who work in government, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's changing. I'm, I'm sure it's changing. I actually feel sorry for them in a sense. Imagine having access to all this data and then being like, okay, you know, you're responsible for, <laughs> for finding and making sense of all this stuff. I feel sorry for them. So um, as long, I mean, to me, I feel better about using alternative systems. And so like, you know, we talked earlier about convenience and that is really the goal of the above phone is to, for you to have your cake and eat it too, for have the privacy benefits and also be set up on alternative software services like, for instance, Jitsi that we're on right now to move away from these uh, like these uh, corrupt systems. And um, this last part of this article, it talks about these cellular warrants here. I'm gonna, I'll share my screen again. Sure. And these th making phone calls and text messages is like the last piece of this um, because it's just not private. And these companies have such a long history of decades and decades of working with law enforcement where um, they 
there is already a built-in system, right? The uh, administrative, or sorry, not administrative, the cellular warrants that um, law enforcement can just request. And there's, you know, there's actually, you can go and see Verizon's playbook. It's like the law enforcement playbook that they have. Like, here's how to request data from us. Here's what it's going to look like. And what I'm showing on the screen right now is a uh, call detail records log, which is showing that, okay, this is where um, he's, the radio towers that they're connecting to. This is a date. This is a time. This is the phone numbers he's calling from. He's who, here's the number they're calling. So there's this program called the Hemisphere Program um, that we talked about in this article. And uh, it is generating 40 billion call detail records a year. Wow. People in the United States and just U.S. phone numbers. And that is all going into this database called Hemisphere, which is ran by the Drug Enforcement Agency. And the original intention for this program was to catch drug dealers, of course, right? They're the Drug Enforcement Yeah, agency. they have to throw a good excuse in there, of course, to save the children and catch the drug dealers. And yeah. Exactly. And um, so their whole, you know, you know how I'm like, the whole burner phone thing used to be a thing. It's like, all right, we mm-hmm. sell a bunch of drugs with this phone and then I'm going to ditch it and I'm going to grab a new phone. Well, that was one of the key features of the hemisphere program. It was smart enough to know what phone you switch to. And it did that by um, looking at the people you were calling and texting and kind of generating probably, Hey, like, Hey, this phone is just calling the same numbers that um, this previous phone that was a drug dealer was. So they're probably related, right? So it would kind of generate probability for that. I mean, the conclusion is this, is that when you send text messages, it's not encrypted. I mean, it's quote unquote encrypted, but it's encrypted by, you know, the three major telecom providers in the United States, you know, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and their response, they have access to all of it. They are getting all of your information. So, of course, they allow it to be part of these hemisphere program. And uh, similar programs this is just one of many. And they also try to hide it. Um, they try to hide its usage and in investigations. Um, this process called parallel subpoenaing, where they go back and kind of retrofit the evidence to say like, oh, we weren't relying, you know, we didn't catch this person based on this, this deep program. They really try and hide the existence of this program. Um, important to note, like this has been going on since 2012. So Quite a while ago, they've been collecting all this this information on calls and texts and being able to analyze it. I'm sure it's come a long way since then. What's my point? Stop using phone calls and text messages. Like ditch it as fast as you can. So I was going to ask you on, on that note: uh, are, Were you going to suggest like Telegram or Signal, and 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 how much more private yeah. are we on those apps compared to a normal call or text? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, I would recommend encrypted messaging and, and voice calls. Um, Jitsi would be a form of an encrypted uh, voice call, actually. It doesn't use you know, any, um, it just uses your normal TLS encryption over the internet. There is an end-to-end encrypted mode, but now there are a lot of tools that will offer you end-to-end encrypted calls. Uh, stuff like Telegram, but Telegram, it's not, it's not end-to-end encrypted. It's more like Telegram encrypts the call. So you're trusting Telegram in that aspect. I still think that's a step forward. I think that's better than you know making phone calls. Signal, they claim that it is their calls are end-to-end encrypted. 
Um, and you know, there's no proof otherwise showing that it's not. But unfortunately, when you follow the money, you see that Signal is funded indirectly by the U.S. government. Really? Um, more than $2 million yep, through um, the Open Technology Fund, huh. which is a nonprofit, and they get their funds from the U.S. Department of Media. Why would they... The only logical reason I can think of the U.S. government wanting to fund Signal is to make everybody think that it's it's this private thing that you can speak on and say whatever you want with and then capitalize on that. Yeah, creating like a like a honeypot, right? A safe space for everyone who wants who thinks they're being private to talk on that way it could be coordinated um, or just tracked. And I mean, I think it's very it's funny that you know Snowden, who we were talking about earlier with the prison leaks. His call to action from all of this spying that was going on was kind of the same thing. It was like, use encrypted messaging, you know, use more encryption. And he had two, you know, Snowden, an NSA contractor, went on to recommend two programs that are funded by the U.S. government, Tor, Tor, which also got a lot of money, and uh, also Signal. So um, hmm. there's, you know, there's there's red flags with, with, with Signal as well. It's used to collect co- contacts. I believe for a very long period of time, um, it's always been bundled with Google Play services. At least you know the one you can get off of the App Store. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just have, uh, I just have, not to stick on Signal for too long, but I just have a uh, gut feeling that that's probably not the app you want to be using. But of course, you know, people have their opinions about everything. What I would recommend is XMPP. And XMPP is a, uh, I have another article I did on XMPP, but XMPP is a free and open protocol. It costs nothing. Um, You get, it's a messaging protocol, but in 2020, it got the ability to do end-to-end encrypted voice calls and video calls. (laughs) So it's actually a feature parity. It's got the same features as a telegram per se. And out of the box, by default, it's end-to-end encrypting everything. You can send files. You can um, you can send you know you can send voice messages. Uh, you can call people, and if you sign up, you can sign up for an XMPP server for free. I have this article um, that's if you search XMPP comeback, take back or tech or just XMPP comeback, you'll find it online. Where um, I talk, I just walk you through everything on how to set it up, how it works. There's a video on how you can set it up. It's free for everyone to use. And once you've got it set up, you just log in, um, you get something that looks like an email address. It's your Jabber ID, your XMPP address, and you can use this to call people. Uh, the coolest part about XMPP is that it's actually an open standard. There's not one body that governs over it. There's a foundation that um, that is there to kind of help the, the core protocol, but anyone can develop an extension to XMPP Anyone can run their own XMPP server. Anyone can write their own server software. So it is completely decentralized in that aspect. And that's why I really like it. There's no central authority like Signal that is, you know, they own the server side code. That's one thing about Signal. Open source client, what, what, what is, where is the server side code? What does that look like? Um, so that's something we're not going to get visibility on, unlike XMPP. So, yeah, I recommend that people, I, I mean, for, for us, for us as a company, this is the most secure way we do calls into our company. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, XMPP. Very interesting. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, you know, this whole notion of like, oh, well, why do you, what do you have to hide? Uh, you know, we have a right to communicate privately with people. It's not like we have anything to hide, but we have a right to not have anybody listening in on our conversations or reading our messages or surveilling us. Um, and, yeah, you know, like the fact that that governments are taking such initiative with uh, teleco providers and teleco providers are just making it extremely easy for them to just, you know, hey, here's all our customer data, like take a look. Google is the biggest military contractor. Um, yeah, very concerning. So where do you think this is all going, this whole tech surveillance stuff? Well, here's a, here's a example of how it's being used today. This is um, public research that Google puts out. They call it the COVID-19 Community Mobility Report. And it's actually really interesting is that using this location data, this is probably the same data from Sensor Vault, they have been able to tell us the changes and how people are going about uh, and living, like where they're going. So um, what Andrew and I are looking at, we're looking at this document and um, it'll actually, it's giving us the entire like shift. So it looks like retail and recreation, you know, people going out to stores has shifted a negative 4%. It's gone down uh, for this, for this period. I think this is a monthly period. Uh, grocery and pharmacy has gone up. Parks have gone up 80%, which is a trend that you'll see throughout the pandemic, Right. And so they've released, you know, they have it broken down by state. Uh, I, I, I would be very interested to see how many data points are in this analysis. Like, I think that'll be really funny if they release it. But of course, there's no mention of that in here. That alone um, is just insane that they can literally track how many people are going to grocery stores, pharmacies, you know, retail stores, parks. <clears throat> workplaces, all that. Mm -hmm. And their excuse for this is COVID. It's, yeah. it's just, it's totally insane. COVID was such a perfect excuse for them to track everything to keep you safe, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think it fit in perfectly to their plan and they capitalized it. You know, I think that we're using United States and other Western powers or seem to be in a race with China and who can roll out the most authoritarian, uh, technocratic AI built system to keep everyone in line. And I think that if you want to look into the future, just kind of, I mean, look at China and see that we're doing, we're making all the same steps as we're taking all the same steps as they are. You know, we're having these integrated wallets in our phones. We um, are checking into any place we go, right? Whether we like it or not. So imagine this being tied into a social credit store, which is something that, you know, Derek Rose has written plenty about. A lot of people, a lot of good people have. Um, and you see that it's a full system, end-to-end -end system that you can choose to be enrolled in or you can choose to opt out in any way you can. So, um, you know, the future, the future might hold your phone um, being used as a, a way to enforce curfew. You know, are you outside? Like we had curfews for COVID-19, so you could get a notification, hey, you know, you, you need to be indoors right now. What are you doing? Um, actually, we had there, you know, there was a contact tracing. Uh, there's a whole contact tracing thing where you would get notifications if someone 
and uh, someone in your vicinity was affected from COVID-19, you get a notification on your phone. So you know, these things could be easily extended to, to anything that they want. Um, and yeah, we're seeing that the more you depend on these centralized authoritarian systems, the more influence you're going to have over your life. So if you want to have less influence, you can try using a degoogled phone. And by, by all means, you don't have to buy it through us. Uh, our, our site is called abovephone.com. But if you wanted to research for yourself and, you know, if you had a compatible phone, which ironically would be the Google Pixel phones, <laughs> I can talk a little bit about that. Um, you could look at grapheneos.org or calyxos.org and you can flash your own phone and, and see how that works for you. And I think that's a really big step in the right direction. Yeah, one thing I want to say, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm definitely a lot more technical than the average person, but like, I, I don't want to spend all the time de doodling my phone and learning how to do all that. And, and, you know, I know you mentioned, yeah, by all means, you don't have to do it with your company, but honestly, I, I, I objectively, I think it's just the easiest option. It's the same price as an iPhone. It comes de doodled. Like it's, it's just a really it's it's a great it's a great product man yeah it really is so um, i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah i think like um you know it just comes with all the it's just less research that you have to do because you know like for me being a technologist like i kind of want to garden out of the box and i i go to someone who knows what they're doing and they just kind of give me the kit like the with the mitt lighter method so like here as we tried to do the same thing it was like you literally just turn on the phone and you log into the services you want to use the apps are already there for you. Couldn't be easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good transition to uh, ask uh, another question I had, which is, okay, well, how do we know that the, you know, a, a D-Doodle, because you said yourself, it is pretty mm -hmm. ironic that, that the phone that you can install a privacy operating system mm -hmm. on is is a do, you know, Doodle phone. <laughs> yeah. It's D-Doodle, but how do we know that uh, Calyx operating system or graphene operating system is safer to use than a normal iPhone or Android system? Great question. So it's always good to be skeptic. Uh, Andrew and I are looking at the latest release to graphene OS. So again, you know, these operating systems are open source, which means that when they make updates, you can go in and you can look at the updates. And of course, you probably need a little bit of technical know-how to do it, but the fact means it's more verifiable than what Google is doing. So for instance, I'll go here. This is an update we're looking at. Um, it's like in the, the release notes, don't prompt to add account when creating a contact, which I think they mean like normally in your phone, when you create a contact, you're, you know, you're prompted to sign into your Google account or whatever. So they're actually turning that off here. And so I can actually go to the pull request, which is you know where they're updating and changing the code and, and, and merging it in to this operating system, and we can see exactly what code is in there. So we are looking at these, uh, we're looking at this old code right now, and um, it's showing that hey, we're gonna show when they add a contact, we're gonna show them a message with two action buttons, and um, we are going to prompt them to add a Google account. So they've removed this, and now they're they're showing that hey, we're just going to save this account and return the result. It's a very very small piece of the operating system, but like 
what I'm trying to say is that it is verifiable. You can go into the operating system and you can see that. And you can also build the entire operating system for yourself and compare it to the official builds that are being released. So um, again, this is all in the operating system layer. This isn't at the device layer, right? This is not, we're not really talking about the CPU firmware. We're not talking about the, the Google firmware on the phone, which is a much lower level. We're talking about the operating system. And you know, from that article earlier, we see we see clear things that are happening at the operating system level, you know, phoning home. So at least now you can go into the code of the operating system and see that there is no Google there. Um, and then there are, you know, there are hundreds of people looking at this code, people smarter than myself and you know, <laughs> a good amount of people when it comes to software engineering, maybe not everything, but when it comes to software engineering that are looking at this and validating this and all have the same vision, which is to have an independent operating system. So um, yeah, you can go and look at the code. The second thing you can do, which is uh, we're, we're doing a, a more formal study now is you can observe the traffic, you can observe the traffic of your phone, the network traffic of your phone. And uh, it's pretty cool. There, um, There's a program you can use called Wireshark and you can hook up your phone to your computer and you can actually see who it's calling out to. Like what web addresses are you calling out to? And so what we're doing is we're taking the normal Android phone and we're taking Graphene OS or Calyx phone and we're doing those comparisons ourselves. And, you know, um, we've, we're only so far through the process, but we can already see that there aren't any Google requests being generated. Um, so that's a huge plus. The uh, uh, the web requests for Graphene OS are actually very clearly documented. Like, here's how the update system works. Here's how the network time request works. Here are the servers it connects to. So um, all that is matching up. And then uh, we hope to have this report released soon. But again, I'm just showing you that, hey, this is something that you could do to make sure the phone is doing what it says it's doing. Yeah. And um, it's like, obviously, there's a lot of technical know-how. Like, if you really want to dig into this yourself, you can do it. It's going to, you know, you're going to kind of get into it. You're going to get into the weeds. But would you be able to do this for your current phone? No. So, again, step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is a great answer. Very thorough answer. Um, very cool. Uh Listen, I I want to first of all I'm trying to I mean we, we talked about where this is going from a, a privacy perspective. We talked about how how do you know if these phones are are safer to use than an Apple or or you know Android? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you feel is worth mentioning? Totally. I want to show you what you can actually do on this phone, and I'm going to share my phone screen with you. Okay. There it is. Can you see that? Yep. All right. So here are some cool things you can do with this phone. So you can go into any app and you can control the permissions at a very granular level. You can turn off its access to location. You can turn off its access to sensors for, you know, an app like uh, Facebook or Snapchat. They have so many permissions that's the really the dangerous part. You you were asking earlier in this call, like, how do they know, you know, how are they listening to us? Well, it's through the microphone permission. That's it. You allow it, then they, they can do whatever they want with it. If you don't allow it, they can't. So 
even if you need to use big tech apps on this phone, which by the way, a lot of big tech apps work, um, you uh, can disable it. You can disable the permissions that are not necessary and you, you may see a huge improvement. You know, I think that would be an interesting thing to test is like do a before and after. Complain about your foot this time for a foot massage and disable microphone permission and see what happens. Uh, you can also do it at the device level. So you can actually see that I have my phone on airplane mode. I just enabled airplane mode, which means the um, cellular service not active. Um, this means that, you know, no calls are going to come in, but I'm still connected to the internet. So I'm still performing my internet communications. I'm just not um, using my cell network. And you can do that through airplane mode. I've got global toggles for the microphone for the camera, which is pretty nice. With uh, what kind of what we're doing with the phone is we're offering a really easy way to use a VPN as well. It's like a one-click VPN where you get your VPN file. For, for those of you who don't know, VPN, virtual private network, it forwards your internet traffic through a server. And this server you have end-to-end uh, -end encryption with. So your traffic is encrypted as it leaves your home, goes to your internet service provider, and goes to the VPN server, in this case, our VPN server. And that way your internet service provider is looking at it and it's just gibberish. They're like, okay, I don't know what websites this person is visiting. I really don't. Um, on the VPN server end, it goes out through that end, goes to its destination, comes back with whatever response it needs, and then comes back encrypted into the phone. So anyone who's sitting on your network, your internet service provider, is not going to be easily be able to see what's going on. And what's cool about it is that we're using this really new form of VPN technology which is super fast and lightweight and connectionless so that um, it's just very smooth. You know, you're, you're, you're using it right now. I'm using it at home and uh, you really can't tell it's in use. It's just that lightweight. Yeah, that, that's uh, the problem I had with VPNs in the past is they're very, very slow. So are you still in, yeah. are you still living in Mexico? I am still living in Mexico. Okay. Yes. Internet service is certainly not the greatest here. As we were, yeah, we were trying to we were trying to set up a VPN server in Mexico, and what we realized was like computers are just there's just no computers <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, it's like hard to it's hard to find you know good solid technology. But we would love, I think we would be one of the first people to have a, like a solid VPN server set up in Mexico because we can't find one for Mulvad or anything. Mulvad is one of the apps I recommend for those of you at home that are looking for a VPN service. And it's really cool, guys. Like, you know, for those of you who like to trade crypto, you know that a lot of exchanges don't allow U.S. customers. Uh, even a lot of the, you know, the, um, the uh, what do they call it? Like the temporary exchanges where you send one coin to it and it spits back another coin. U.S. customers aren't allowed to use those. So what do you do? Well, you could use a VPN to appear like you're in a different country. That is something you could do. Um, yeah. I, I should say for, for – I would say the overwhelming majority of the people who listen to my show, they, they don't trade crypto. They just hodl Bitcoin. <laughs> That's the way. You just buy the tops, buy the bottoms, hold it for, for as long as you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. You know me. Me and my Bitcoin maximalism. Maximalist in here. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> laser eyes all day. Yes. Yes. So um, – Still though, it's just it's it's it it can be useful, and as you know, yeah, maybe we'll absolutely. see this too. Like as uh, you know, more websites get censored, that this might be a way to get around the censorship. Um, yeah. Other thing we offer is email. So like 
With the above phone, we also offer privacy services. So the VPN was one of them. We also offer email. We offer video conferencing with the Jitsi, the same tool that we're using here. We have our own uh, server that we do. We have our own search engine, which is kind of doing the same thing instead of directly searching Google. Here, I'll show this to you. So instead of directly searching Google, you can search the search engine. And um, what's cool about it is that you can configure what search engines you want to search from. Hmm. Nice. Oh, yeah. There we go. So you can see that, you know, I've got Brave and Quant set up. And then, like, this is the cool part where um, I can't configure it. Let's see. Well, so usually there's a very easy way. Here it is, the little gear icon. Let's check this out. I can choose what search engines I want. So if one of them is censoring results or, you know, just not being reliable, I'll turn it off. Brave has been giving me problems. So I'll turn off Brave. I, I, I hate using Bing, so I'll turn off Bing. DuckDuckGo, they spy on their users. Yeah, so, that's a new thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, there's a lot of companies. Fake privacy, dude. Fake privacy is, is definitely a thing, and you just have to be vigilant. But I mean, like this, yeah. you know, SearchXNG, which is the software it's built upon, is again open source software. Anyone can run it. We run it for you. You know, you you want someone trusted to run your software for you. So we have our own data center. Uh, we so search engine. The last thing is the XMPP server, which um, I'll show here. One of the really cool things about our XMPP server is that in addition to making voice and video calls we partnered with this company called JMP chat and it gives you an anonymous phone number. And here's the best part. You can pay in Bitcoin. $3 really? A month. Very cool. Wow. It's super awesome. Yeah. So like if you, you know, if you need to verify your phone number somewhere to like, just get an account somewhere, you can use JMP chat. You can pick from any phone number in the U S or uh, Canada. And uh, you can set this phone number up. And when you're using your XMPP app, it bridges XMPP to the phone network. And it's really nuts because it looks and feels just like a phone call to whoever's calling. You know, you get a phone number, people can call that number, comes in through your XMPP app. You can call and text people. Uh, it comes into a text message as them and, you know, vice versa. And um, the cool part is, damn it, I forgot the cool part. Um yeah, well, I mean, the, the cool part is, is that it's completely anonymous. It's way cheaper than a phone plan, you know, $3 a month. Um, you get your first month free when you get go through us above Privacy Suite. And um, I think this is the future. I think, I think what I was going to say was that, again, you're going back to our earlier discussion, this is going through the cell networks, right? So it's, it's, not, it's not private, but there's no personal information you, get, you did to get onto it. Two, it's not connecting to the nearest radio tower. Mm -hmm. So like, you, can, you can make phone calls without having a SIM card in your phone. I think that's a powerful part. Hang, so you can make phone calls without having a SIM card on your phone. But you have to have Wi-Fi, though, of course, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of the downside. But still, I mean, the, the point is there. I mean, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. And mm -hmm. There's Wi-Fi yeah. everywhere. It's like, you know, it's kind of funny because it's like we're going, we're going back in time to where there was landlines. <laughs> so like now we need to be somewhere with a land connection 
and we can make our internet calls. Just, I'm just saying that you know we're deta- we're kind of detaching from our SIM card. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's a really important thing to do for sure. Yeah, huh, man, lots of your wealth of knowledge, Ramirez. This is a ton of information. Um, hey, man. Well, thanks for being one of our first customers, and we're glad we got you set up. And uh, let yeah, let me know, man. Let's let's get you set up on some of these software services, and yeah, just. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, listen, if for anybody listening, like <laughs> it's the same price as an iPhone. Actually, it's less than the iPhones that are coming out now. So less than an iPhone, you can pay with Bitcoin and it's already pre, you know, set up once it arrives with Calyx OS or Graphene OS, whichever you prefer. So to me, it's like, it, it's just, <laughs> it, it makes sense. Why would I buy an iPhone with Fiat if I can buy a privacy phone with Bitcoin? <laughs> And you can use the exit plans coupon code in the description. Yes. Actually, I was going to mention that. Um, If you want to buy one of these phones and you want $50 off, I have a coupon code in the description. So, uh, yeah, feel free to click on that and use it, and Ramiro will hook you up. But, uh, all right, awesome, Ramiro. Well, hey, uh, where can we – actually, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll just – I'll have all these links in the description, but for the sake of brevity, uh, where can we find you? So two sites, takebackourtech.org, takebackourtech.org. Sign up to our mailing list there. I have a bunch of new articles coming out. We're doing an article on EMF safety, which is oh, going to be that's huge. A, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. an important thing that I think a lot of people don't realize how bad this this EMF is for our bodies. Totally, and what they're you know what they're rolling out, and so like again, like you know, the goal of take back or tech is just to demystify this stuff. Like it doesn't need to be hard. And you're just going down to simple basics, things that you can observe and test out yourself. Um, we're gonna have another article coming up on encrypting your own email. You know, a lot of us were using encrypted email like Proton Mail and C Templar. Well, C Templar went down, so like, why are we relying on other people to encrypt our own mail? So. That'll be one of the new ones. And um, to join the email email list there, you'll also be a part of the Above Agency, which is our company that does Above Phone email list. And if you're interested in buying a phone, go to abovephone.com, where you can put, right, you know, the site is live. It's actually, we, we recently went international. So our phones are available in a, a lot of different countries. Let me see, uh, US, Canada, Australia, Mexico, and then we recently just opened up in the EU. So we've got United Kingdom, France, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, Spain, Portugal. We're to do this, to do this actually, because shipping is fucked. We had to partner with technologists around the world and we're sourcing the phones locally to kind of get around that stuff. So, I mean, you're supporting local technologists when you go through us and definitely recommend it to your friends wherever, wherever they may be. Um, last thing, you can pay with Bitcoin. Or Litecoin yeah. or Monero. <laughs> Eventually, it, it's it's just going to be Bitcoin. As as we've had, uh, you know, in our conversations, the hardest money always wins. But I guess that's a conversation for another time, maybe. Yeah. We should definitely do something on crypto too. Yeah, I mean, eventually we'll have a crypto module. Would love your your thoughts on the Bitcoin space because there's so much going on, dude, that I haven't kept up with. Yeah, um, man, there is. I think the common criticism of Bitcoin was, you know, there's no innovation in Bitcoin and there's nothing being built in it. And I, I just, I totally disagree because every day I'm, I'm seeing, you know, more, more new stuff with lightning and the liquid network and mm-hmm. there's a lot happening. So yeah, yeah. The BIP upgrade and stuff. 
Um, super cool. So, so um, there's a lot of devices you can get. Actually, more than ten different devices. They're you know range from something that's affordable at the three hundred dollar range to over you know over a thousand dollars for people who want the best of the best. We uh, you can get to pick your OS. You get to go get the privacy services we were talking about before. We also have the support call. It's uh, two hundred bucks, and um, we just take your old phone, we take your new phone, and we make it so you're only using your new phone by the end of the call. It's just that simple. You know everything you need. Uh, we just started offering cases and um, Ethernet adapters, audio adapters, storage. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll shut up now. Nice. Okay. Phone, but there's a lot there for you. There's a lot there. Yeah, no, listen, you, you're you a guy who genuinely is passionate about what he's working on, like making a positive impact on the world. So, it, man, it's, it is an honor to have you on the podcast and I uh, appreciate everything you're, you're doing, brother. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, man. Real Recognize Real, dude. We're uh, really, really building the new world, man. I appreciate you too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. I'll end it there. Cheers, good sir. Take care, brother.